0: Well, y'all, I have a really bad memory. Did anybody else uh, forget to set their clocks back last night? I would have been in real trouble if I didn't use my um, phone as my alarm clock, which I know you're not supposed to do, but I use my phone as my alarm clock. So I had no idea. I forgot to do this until I got in the car, and my car told me it was 7 a.m., which is about an hour past when I would want to be here. So it took me a minute to, like, recompose myself, think about it. Oh, yeah, I'm good. A couple years ago, I actually went to the doctor and I told her, I said, I think my memory is getting really bad. Like, it's bad. And she said, you know, Amy, I've known you for a few years now. I don't actually think that you have a problem with your memory. I actually think you have a distractibility problem. (laughs) To which I was like, oh, great, it's everybody else's fault, not mine. (laughs) But actually, my brain is so easily distracted by all of the external stimuli that comes my way, it's like it literally is bombarding me, hence my AirPods, my brown noise, the doors being closed when I have to really focus and concentrate to get something done. There are some things that I can remember, uh, like my social security number, because you're not supposed to carry that in your purse with you, right, or your wallet. I can remember my birth date, and I can remember most of my kids' birth dates but there's many of them, so sometimes I have to like do the math. I can remember my husband's phone number, um, and I can remember my anniversary because it's the same anniversary as my parents and my grandparents, which is super cool and lovely. I do actually have to confess that it took me a really long time to remember um, Timberwood's purpose statement, which is, making disciples, more disciples, for Jesus Christ, serving, worshiping, and celebrating together. And then along with that, a little bit easier to remember because it's only three words, we value outreach, spiritual formation, and leadership. The key to our purpose and the values of Timberwood Church is what actually brings us together as community. It informs what we do together and how we do it. We are a community that comes together in the kingdom of God, doing life together, we're learning together, we're serving together, and it's together that we are called to remember and discern what God is doing in, through, and around us so that we can join him in it. And nobody was better at living in the kingdom of God than Jesus Christ. And nobody was better at building the kingdom of God than Jesus Christ. He's the one who brings us together as Timberwood Church, worshiping and celebrating this morning and every other time that we come here together. It's Jesus who teaches us what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. He teaches us what to remember and how to remember. In Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20, we have a beautiful example Of Jesus' teaching. So join us, let's look. We're in Luke chapter 22, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 20. It is familiar. In a blue Bible, you're on page 882. And when the hour came, he, Jesus, reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. I think the first thing that we should notice in this passage is Jesus saying, I earnestly desire to eat this Passover with you. He really, really Wanted to be with his disciples, and he wanted to share that particular Passover meal and celebration with them. You see, the Passover meal is a celebration of remembering God rescuing Israel from the Israelites from Egypt when they were enslaved there by Pharaoh. And so God had sent Moses to Pharaoh to say, Let my people go free, and he refused. And so in response, God sent 10 plagues to Egypt. And before the 10th and final plague, the Israelites were instructed to sacrifice a lamb as a Passover offering to God, and to take the blood of that lamb and mark their doors with it, so that the last plague, which was the plague of death, would pass over their homes keeping those Israelite families safe and alive. Jesus planned and hosted this Passover celebration for his disciples to teach them with an object lesson. Do you have a favorite teacher? Maybe somebody who was really fun in the classroom or maybe somebody that you could easily distract and get away with not actually doing your work. Or maybe it was a teacher that was really helpful in helping you to learn something, things that you could remember, things that were important that you've carried through your life. One of my favorite teachers was my um, junior high home economics teacher. It was home economics back then. Now it's family and consumer science. But she taught me how to sew. My mom taught me how to sew and I took what my mom taught me and brought it to school, and she let me experiment with so many different things, and I really learned to love sewing because I could be creative, I could make my own things, I could alter my own clothes, and so she really had an impact because she allowed me to use my hands to be creative and learn how to do things. Well, Jesus is that same kind of awesome, amazing teacher And as we've studied Matthew last year and now Luke on Wednesday nights, I noticed a pattern in the way Jesus teaches. It's a strategy that I was actually taught in my training as a teacher. It's this idea of I do, we do, you do. I do, I'll show you what this looks like, and then we'll do it together, I'll continue to guide you, so that you can do it when I am not with you. And so we see this over and over with Jesus. He doesn't just tell people or talk about who he is and tell them how to live in the kingdom of God. He actually showed them. With his disciples, at first he would explain things and he would demonstrate the new kingdom of God and how it was supposed to function and how they were supposed to function in it. And then they set out together ministering. He was still with them guiding and teaching them. But then when the time was right, he sent them out in pairs to teach and minister to others without him. They had prepared he had prepared them. This illustration will eventually break down, of course, because when we acknowledge that Christ is in us and Christ works through us in the Holy Spirit, it that's where it breaks down. But the point is is that Jesus was so deliberate in his teaching and making sure that his disciples get it and that we get it. And we see this in the institution of the Lord's Supper. He earnestly desired to have that time together with his disciples because he was about to bring things full circle for them. He was going to demonstrate for them what to remember and how to remember. Now, with his disciples together again at the Passover meal, he used bread and wine from the Passover meal as a visual. It was a tactile experience in order to help them associate and remember the significance of his life and the brutal death that he was about to face. Like Luke's version of the final Passover meal, I like Luke's version of the final, final Passover meal because he included not one glass of wine, but two. One before the bread and then one after the bread. And it's significant, not because I like wine, but it's significant for a reason. The first glass of wine is important because it gives us two really important things to consider. With it, Jesus give th- gives thanks to God knowing that he would be betrayed by one of the men that sat at that very table that he was sitting at, with who he, for whom he prepared this Passover celebration for. He gave thanks. He's thankful that his blood will be the final sacrifice in a new covenant between God and those who choose faith in him. He was thankful And the second significant thing with this first glass of wine is that he offers hope in his return when he says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. He's telling them, and he's telling us, he will return. And when he does, he will be celebrating with wine in the new heaven and earth. That is something to celebrate. So then after that first glass of wine, he offered the bread, and that is the symbol of his broken body. And the second glass of wine symbolizes his blood, which is the sign of the new covenant. This new covenant is a relationship for anyone and everyone who acknowledges their sinfulness, understands their need for a savior, and confesses that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And we can thank Jesus for that. In his final Passover meal, he was demonstrating something. It was a celebration demonstrating what to do when his physical body is not with us. In verse 19, he instructs, Do this in remembrance of me. This is the you do part. When I'm not physically with you, he taught them and us by showing us how to remember him. This is why the Christian churches include remembrance in this particular remembrance in their worship. Different faith traditions vary in how they do it and when they do it or how often. And some call it the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, the Eucharist, the communion. It's all the same purpose. Jesus has called his disciples to rem- remember in this way. And so like Jesus bringing his disciples together, he, uh, we as disciples come together the first Sunday of the month as individuals gathered in community to remember his life, death, and resurrection. And to give thanks, celebrating the life that we have in him and through him, through the Holy Spirit, and the hope that we have in the new heaven and earth. Learning to remember is really critical to our Christian faith. It is why God, It is why the Lord's Table is part of how we worship together. In a few minutes, Amanda will come up and she will share her heart as we prepare our own hearts to receive and celebrate Jesus. I invite you as you come forward, there are six stations. There's three spots, but there's six stations. Each person standing will, is serving. And so as you come up, use the two kind of um, middle aisles to come up, form two lines, because there will be two people there, and then you can come over here, okay? And then when you, after you have received communion, you can go back down the outside or the middle. If you want us to serve you, come forward with your hands like this. If you choose to serve yourself, you can grab a piece of bread and you can dip it. All of our bread is gluten-free, and if you are not able to come forward with ease, raise your hand, and one of our ushers will serve you. The Lord's table invites us to remember the significance of Jesus Christ, the significance of him in our lives, and the hope he offers the whole world. So in that, join me in praying. Lord God, the creator of all things, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, recognizing that we, on our own, cannot live the life and have the relationship that we are meant to have with you. So we thank you for your son. Lord, in this quietness of these moments ahead, would you allow us to experience your presence? For those of you that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, You can simply say to him, Jesus, I need you. I need a savior, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. And if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, now is the time. You can ask him again, confess your faith in him again. Lord, be with us, fill this space, allow us to feel your presence. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all of this. Amen.